Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by Collective Genius and my friend Jeff Martin. They build high-performing teams for venture-backed growth companies and venture capital firms. Their peak planning and peak operating system help the leadership teams with a three-year vision, a one-year plan, quarterly OKRs, KPIs, and even tools to stay on track with that plan and vision. I have several friends who've used peak planning very successfully. If you're interested, message me if you want to talk to Jeff, and I'm happy to make the introduction. Now, as well, I'm super excited to have my frequent sponsor, who I just spoke about, Jeff Martin, on the podcast with me today. Before we get to hear from him, let me tell you a bit more about Jeff, though. He is currently CEO and founder of Collective Genius, which he started about 15 years ago to build high-growth companies with talent recruiting, leadership team planning, and tools. We met a few years ago in L.A., when he was expanding the company and starting to spend considerably more time in the area. And he's ended up actually moving to LA as well. And so we'll talk some about that. We really bonded initially because we were both Midwest transplants to California. Jeff's a really good storyteller and I always enjoy, he's produced some really great tech scenes videos as well about several of the tech ecosystems around the country. And so we'll talk a little bit about where he sees them similar and different as he's visited many of those. I, I really consider him an entrepreneur at heart and I feel like he's great at building and starting things. Peak planning is one of those examples and has become really a, the go-to system for better leadership planning in high growth VC backed companies, which is really a narrow niche if you think about it. He's a Techstars mentor he was involved in what's called EO or the Entrepreneur Organization as a board member for over 10 years. He also has a large brood of children, which I know he greatly enjoys as well. Jeff, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk about peak planning. I mentioned it. What led you, after all the other things that you've done, what led you to start it? Yeah, peak planning is like interesting because, well, I, th I think you have to kind of go back a little bit. So I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. Uh, both sides of my family growing up uh, were entrepreneurs. And I think I was just born with that. Mm. It was in my genetics. Um, but when I went to college, I actually got to study entrepreneurship. And I, that's where I really connected with, yeah, maybe it's in me and makes me, you know, I have the passion to do this. Um, but there's actually real skills and tools you can use to become really a master at that trade mm -hmm. um, where a lot of people, you know, think that maybe you're born into it, you have it and you can do it. And so that was the first part of really understanding, like, these are actually skills, like anything else that we can learn, we can master. Um, and uh, after selling my first company in college, uh, I wanted to jump into the tech world and learn more about that. And uh, I was at a company called Gearworks. Uh, and I was playing the role of chief of staff to a CEO. And I had one objective. My only objective in this company was to make Keith successful. That was mm -hmm. the CEO. And um, he came to me one day and he said, um, hey, my weekly meeting with my leadership team meeting uh, sucks. Uh, I'm supposed to do 
offsite next week. I don't know how to do that. We've never done that before, uh, the builder plan. I have a board meeting after that. And if I don't figure all this stuff out, that board meeting is going to suck. So figure it out. And mm-hmm. so that was my first really uh, aha, like, you know, like you have to figure these things out. And again, these are tools, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, that was back in 2000. We were doing handheld mobile technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had uh, we were putting things uh, actually on symbol devices. Sure. Um, the first thing we were on was... Um, uh, old, old, it was monochrome, right? You didn't even have like colored screens, right? Um, so we we're doing handheld mobile technology. Um, what I did is I pulled some of this stuff together, version one of what we have as today is peak. Um, and it went fairly well. Um, over the years, I, I kept on doing that and teams would have me come in and facilitate and help them kind of learn those things. Um, and then I started Collective Genius, which was more focused on recruiting um and not until I came out to LA uh did it become really apparent that a lot of these teams don't have what I call an operating system um and I started doing more and more of that work yeah and it's so true I think uh you you run into a lot of startups I've been in the inside of a lot of startups and I can completely validate that most of them don't have an operating system as you right said so how do you and that feel was 20 like years ago when I first yeah. did that, right? And so right. I haven't seen it really progress that much over the last 20 years, specifically within venture-backed technology companies. That's right. Yeah. So as you think about startups and leadership planning within them, how would you describe the more normal course of what people do today? Yeah, I think it's like what we do with any of our jobs, right? Like we learn experiences and we show up at this new job and we do what we've learned from in the past or reading books and we're trying to implement little things that we've learned. Um, what typically happens within organizations uh, at a leadership team uh, in technology companies is that, you know, you have the CEO founder and eventually they, they start to hire, you know, as they grow, they start to hire, you know, head of sales, marketing, product management, mm-hmm. you know, a, a CTO and all these different people come together with different experiences. Right. And so it's kind of like, Think of it as an old PC uh, where all the, you know, all this different software is coming into this machine, mm-hmm. um, but it needs an operating system so they all can communicate together and, and talk to each other, right? Sure. Um, because they all have different variety of experiences and, you know, some did it one way, um, you know, some are using OKRs, some are using KPIs, you know, um, it's just a mish- mismatch of things. And they're trying to get them to work all together, Um that's what I typically see. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it, you know, sometimes if you have a group of people maybe who have worked together before, they already have a common language that they're bringing right. from their last place. Right. But otherwise, to your point, you, you have a group of people with different experiences, probably some complementary skill sets, and right. maybe they have a sort of common language and framework. But yeah, yeah. often the first incarnation of anything like this comes from one of them maybe it's the highest seniority or the most clear-headed about it or the easiest to implement i I don't know it's It's, typically the person that's more most passionate about that right so usually it's the ceo or whoever's kind of the operator in the company um and uh you know they usually find a few things that work and it's really coming from limited inputs though right like you know, a few past jobs uh, amongst a team to put kind of pull it together. 
That's right. Yeah, I've implemented and, and run off sites and I've, I've done this with the, in a number of different forms and never really had a, a full system like Peak. So that I think the fact that you've codified it like you have is, is hugely valuable. So let's say, you know, you're me, I'm newly into a company. I haven't used a program like yours yet, but I really need to get the team aligned what, what would you say is the first thing someone should try to do? Yeah, so if they're not using like peak or anything like that, like you actually use the right word, like the word alignment. Mm -hmm. And we talk about this a lot and why we use the, the term peak, uh, the analogy that we use is that we're, we're climbing a mountain, right? And we wanna get mm -hmm. to the peak of the mountains, really our vision, where we wanna go, it's the where, right? And so before you can focus, which let's talk about focus for a little bit. Every person tells founders or, you know, people running businesses to focus, 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 right? Number one, uh, you know, advice out there, right? Sure. Um, we, as adults, tell our, and if you have children, uh, you tell your children to focus all the mm -hmm. time, right? I do this all the time. Pick up that focus, you know. Um, but if, can you tell me when you uh, went to school and they, they gave you the course on how to focus? Exactly. No, I, it, I, I don't think I ever got that class. Yeah, if you ever learned how to focus, right? So nobody talks about how to focus. Um, and actually, it's a billion-dollar industry if you look at the meditation apps, right? Mm -hmm. So focus is really important. But how do you get to focus? First, you have to get to alignment, right? So as a CEO or a leadership team member of a team that uh, needs to focus the entire team, not just one individual, but focus a team that's doing something that's never been done before, which is every venture back company, right? Mm -hmm. You're doing something that's never been done before. I mean, that's a real task. And so the first thing that you really need to do is create alignment. So that peak of that mountain, we usually call it the three-year vision, which is typically works very well if you're from like pre-seed to probably series CD-ish. Mm -hmm. um, where are we going to go and define what that is? What I do with the leadership teams is we break out what are the functional areas of the business and we define three to five objectives three years out that we want to accomplish within that. So once the team can align and have a common uh, a conversation about that and define what that is, now we're all traveling up the mountain in the same direction. So not mm -hmm. until we get alignment and agree upon where we're actually going, can we actually have focus. And so that's the first piece of it. And then as the analogy works, we really work it down the mountain, you know, the one-year plan is base camp. You don't just go straight mm -hmm. to the top of a mountain when you're climbing a mountain. You have to go to base camp and that's defining what the one-year plan is. And then you bring it all the way down to quarterly and we use OKRs, objectives and key results to define, you know, what are the most important things that we need to accomplish as a team to keep us on track to that one-year plan and that three-year vision. So again, I think you nailed it right away with the question. It's alignment. Alignment begets focus and focus begets accountability. So is there anything in your mind before alignment? I'll offer as, as an example, the relationships and, and potentially, you know, a word that I often hear is the word trust. Yeah. Do you need that in place before you can get alignment even? Well, so how I look at it is it's trust, respect, and unity. If you look at any high performing team, any sports team, any team out there, um, when you work together with people, you need to be able to trust them, mm -hmm. respect each other's roles and responsibilities, what they're doing, and have unity that we all work together. 
Yeah, sometimes we have to pick up something that someone left behind or mm-hmm. you know, fill, fill a void because there's nobody there. So I think um, the essence to teamwork is trust, respect, and unity. And so that builds over time. So within our planning sessions and within our execution tools, which you, know, you need both planning and execution to make, make an operating system, there's elements of that trust, respect, and unity that you build along the way. Uh, a little quick hack on uh, one way to do that uh, is our weekly camp meeting, which is a meeting that we do to keep uh, the ex- executing and keeping the plan on track. We always start our meetings with best and thanks. So all the peak teams uh, on their weekly meeting, if it's Monday or Friday, whenever it is, they start with best and thanks. And so they go around the team and the person We'll just say one best personal or business thing that happened in the last week mm-hmm. and one person they'd like to thank, mm-hmm. you know, so we're starting off with like gratitude. We're also starting off with, you know, good news. Um, sure. But what that is doing is really building that trust and that respect of the team. Um, and so that's one little hack that, that our teams use to, you know, have a cadence of, of, of doing that every week really mm-hmm. helps. Well, this, this might seem like an obvious question, but I'd love to get your perspective. As you think about trying to convince a startup founder or CEO that they need to really adopt a more, you know, I'll call it formalized operating system like Peak, Yeah. how do you describe the primary benefits so that they will actually move forward? Because yeah. in many cases, I'm sure you get that just that resistance of, oh, I'm too busy or we're, we're doing fine or whatever <laughs> it may be, right? So how do you think about that really articulating the primary benefits? Honestly, it's not that difficult. You know, most of our peak CEOs that we work with are super strong, confident leaders. Many of them are serial entrepreneurs. They've been there and done it before. Um, They recognize immediately that they don't have all the answers to everything. Mm -hmm. And the strong CEOs, like they're spending all their time in what I refer to as corporate and capital development, right? So Mm -hmm. their job is to go find money, um, close big deals and partnerships. And that's what they're really focused on. Um, they're okay. If someone can come in and teach the team one new operating system to kind of get the, all, the whole team together to be able to have everybody heard, um, everybody listened, uh, to, and, you know, come together as a team. So there's not a lot of pushback on that. Um, typically how I can get to that is, you know, ask, a question if they feel like they're really getting everything out of their team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of CEOs will say that they're, they're leaving, they feel like they're leaving some, you know, potential on the table mm-hmm. um, and looking for ways to really get their team aligned and focused and accountable and really working together better. So it's actually typically not that, that dip- difficult. The other thing is most of the peak CEOs, they, um, want to create an environment where they can participate in the planning, right? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes they're the one leading the planning, pla- uh, planning the planning to do the planning. And then when they're in the planning session, they're wearing two different hats, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're asking the question and then they're trying to, you know, explain what they believe and it's hard for them to participate. And so having a facilitator come in with a with methodology and just being a pure facilitator, I don't tell people what to do. Uh, my role is to ask questions and then try to get them to agree upon where they want to go and what they want to do and how to do it. Um, so that's a benefit to them too. Um, and again, you know, a lot of our uh, peak teams are serial entrepreneurs, people that have been there and done it before. So they, they see that gap um, and they're, 
their ego doesn't get in the way of, you know, feeling like they should know those types of things. They'd rather sure. succeed than, you know, get their ego in the way of maybe finding some system that works better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the reality, right? Sometimes it takes some of those stumbles uh, or a little bit of uh, realization that, that, yeah, you're in the way to, to finally open up to maybe there are other better ways to do it. So on, on that note, share it, you know, where you can share a success story that you think will really uh, right. you know, illustrate how, how effective it can be. Well, I mean, I should have been probably keeping track of this earlier, but one success is that uh, over the last two years, we just kind of uh, compiled it, but all our peak teams have raised almost just under a billion dollars in venture capital. Amazing. Uh, just, just the ones that we work one-on-one with uh, over the last two years. And that's, you know, some of those are, are seed, you know, some of them are a little later stage series, right? Um, but it's a significant amount of money. And I think the, the piece of that is, is that they're very clear what they're doing and how they do it. And one, that makes it easier for the team to work, but also helps uh, raise money. Now, talking about someone specific is a little bit difficult because all the companies sure. are privately held and venture backed. Um, but one of our companies, uh, Amplify, just was acquired. And I think their story is probably very uh, true to a lot of the other teams. So when they came to me, uh, they're at uh, a point in which they really wanted to have you know, hyper rapid growth. They had built a team, um, but they really wanted to get that team aligned. So what I did is we did a pre-camp meeting where I... I, I spoke to the entire team. I explained how peak works. Uh, I explained the analogy. I walked through what an annual planning session is. Um, and I gave them prep work, which is really important to the planning process. Mm-hmm. So instead of just going in cold and, and trying to put a plan together, um, it's important to give teams questions so that they can go and take to their teams sure. um, and get answers. So you can really work from bottoms up as well as top down. Um, and then let them think through this stuff a little bit more before they come in the planning session. So we did a planning session and the planning session had, uh, you know, a team survey that we typically do. Um, and the essence of that survey is looks at kind of the organization holistically, but the last question in that survey is super important. And that is what's the upper 5% and the bottom 5%. And so the upper 5% is what are we doing well, right? As a company. Um, you know, we need to stay positive and recognize mm-hmm. what we're doing well. So we continue mm-hmm. to do that. But what's that bottom five, you know, the challenge? Um, and that's the room to grow. And so that's a really important 5% to get everybody's feedback and hear everybody talk about that. So everyone in the team is, is weighing in on that. Yes. So everybody does the survey. And then we ask the question, you know, in the planning session, what's your upper 5% and bottom 5%? about the organization holistically. And they, mm-hmm. they, they kind of uh, summarize that based on all the different questions that they just answered in the survey. Mm-hmm. And that 5% is really powerful for them to think about what they can do better as a team. Um, and typically things that come out of that are some of those elephants in the room, you know? So again, as a facilitator, it's a little, a little bit easier to pull those elephants out than it is mm-hmm. as a CEO that, mm, I don't know if I really want to talk sure. about this. Um, and uh, so having those conversations really helpful. So Amplify, you know, again, similar example with most of these companies talked about their challenges. They talked about what's working well. Um, they really dug into what those challenges were. And then as we define their three-year vision, where they wanted to be in their one-year plan and their OKRs, they really, you know, really looked at that stuff and really defined 
what they needed to do and how they needed to do it. So mm-hmm. they really defined that where, what, and how. Um, and then, you know, we, we worked with them uh, once we got the plan done, which usually takes two five-hour sessions. Um, annual plan takes a little bit longer. Once we had that all together, I came back and did the weekly meeting format. So I came in, I taught them um, how they and ran their first weekly camp meeting mm-hmm. and taught them uh, the cadence of how we do that. So um, that really helped them kind of really come together as a team. And, and not only in the planning are they learning, you know, that alignment, focus and accountability, but continuing to do that on a weekly basis to stay on track. Um, Very, thank yeah. you for sharing that. Is, is there a point that's too early? I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about startups that have this desired trajectory that is really, you know, high performance, high growth. Is there a point in its life that's too early to start this? That's a good question. I, I don't think there is, honestly. Mm. Um, so very early companies that maybe don't even have a product, you should still have a vision at that date and time of where you want to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, you should also have a vision of what, or uh, a plan of what do I actually want to accomplish by the end of the year? Now, pre-product, it might be doing a bunch of experiments, right? Sure. Um, so their OKRs might be, you know, uh, you know, talking to people about different product ideas, right? So that alignment, focus, and accountability still is really important at the earliest stages. Now, it probably won't be as big of a, you know, blown out plan that you'd see with a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a growth size company or early stage. Um, but there is going to be those elements that are important and it's better to get on the rails early than it is to get on them late as mm-hmm. well. So they'll get a lot of benefit out of it. You know, there's, that's the thing with operating systems. It's uh, helpful to work with somebody that can, you know, tell them which are the right tools to use at certain stages. Sure. So there is not one size fits all. And there's the other operating systems out there. So you have map and gazelles and traction. Um, they're all good operating systems. Um, but what's important is really like trying to figure out the right operating system for your business That's right. Um, and what works well and what doesn't work well, and then right size it. Yes. So I have a lot of entrepreneurs in the operate audience. And what I always appreciate about the entrepreneur is that creativity to find that solution, that new solution, like you were saying, you know, doing things that have never been done before in many cases, and they're finding that solution to a critical problem, right? As, as I always think about it, you know, a problem worth solving that people are motivated to, to want to have solved or are willing to pay for to have solved. But that doesn't mean just because they're creative and capable of solving a problem doesn't mean they're good at building teams, that they're a good leader of people. There, there are a lot of other attributes that sometimes get um, almost assumed that someone has. So as you think about that, you know, what, what are the best ways you found to help them understand that that may not be true, that just because they can solve a problem, they may not be intuitive at motivating and leading people. How do you help them understand and be okay with getting help at right. investing right. and developing some of these skills that they may not have and, and potentially even bringing in other people who might be better right. leaders? Well, them? I think, I think uh, the role of the founder is to find, right? Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they don't just find the idea, but they find the people to help them 
mm-hmm. you know, the employees, they find the capital, mm-hmm. they find the employee, uh, the, you know, the, the customers, mm-hmm. like their role is to acquire people and resources. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's why we call them founders. I think that's why we don't use entrepreneurs word anymore. And we sure. use the founder word. And I, I think, think that's, that's a great, yeah. Great. I think that's their role. Right. And so I think most of the ones I work with are very confident in who they are mm-hmm. and know what they're good at and what they're not good at. Um, I don't think it's trying to convince them of anything. I think the good ones are just always looking for the best thing to help the company, what's most important for the company. And it doesn't have to do with their ego. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, leveraging peak or it's hiring that head of product, I don't think it's, I don't think it's any different to them. They're just always trying to up, level up their organization and find the right resources and people to, to do it with them. Hmm. So powerful. There's, there's so much to share in there. That's, that's great, Jeff. Thank you. Let's, let's change course just a little bit. I mentioned the tech scenes videos that you've produced over the years. Um, you've been in LA now for a bit and, right. and pretty embedded in the startup and investor community here. How do you describe Southern California or the LA ecosystem to other people who maybe aren't as familiar and embedded in it? Yeah, well, after jumping around and talking to CEO founders and investors in all these different locations, um, I actually found more commonality amongst them, (laughs) Mm. you know, as people, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they were all, you know, very inspired to innovate Mm-hmm. which I believe means just make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a common, I saw, I found more common threads amongst those people than I really found differences. Mm-hmm. Um, now we did explore, you know, uh, the different industries that were there prior to these startups. We talked about the, you know, the different landscapes and, you know, uh, you know, the weather in LA. Right. Um, but I found more similarities. And to me, I, I, I just started building more of an ethos on there's one, tech scene, right? Like there's mm-hmm. one uh, ecosystem of founders and the people that are supporting them to like uh, accomplish these visions, right? Um, however, you know, looking at LA, like, you know, there's some markets that are just more mature than other markets, sure. right? So LA has talent at a significant scale. Um, it has capital at a significant scale. Um, and it has that surrounding community of people trying to help those people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so at scale. And so it's kind of a numbers game. I think in the next 10 years, LA is going gonna, is gonna to be a huge ecosystem uh, for uh, entrepreneurship and new companies. But I believe all the other cities are going to grow as well. Mm. Um, it's just kind of a maturity level. And you know, if you think about what's really important here, one, yeah, is the capital and the people that have the ideas to do it. But it's it's the what's surrounding those people, I think, are the most important things. And th- that comes about as a as a ecosystem grows in maturity. I mean, you mm-hmm. have things like Operate, right? Sure. And Expert Dojo and Fusion LA and uh, you mentioned Entrepreneurs Organization. Um, tech stars in LA is one of the biggest and strongest tech stars uh organizations or communities within LA. I mean, you have Matt Kozlov is doing an amazing job. He's, he's been at uh, three different 
Techstars programs. Mm -hmm. And now he's leading Techstars LA and you have Techstars Music and you have Space and you have all those right here. That ecosystem of Techstars and the power of Techstars, I think is really, really powerful for this group and all those mentors that surround it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of willingness of people in LA to help other organizations. Um, that said, I, I just believe it's going to grow, you know, again, one, one tech scene, one ecosystem, mm -hmm. it's all going to grow. Interesting perspective. I, I appreciate that. And it, it definitely feels like things, access to information, people's mobility, you know, certainly this last year with, with people moving more than they had probably in, in a while. It, you know, it seems like the democratization of that knowledge and capability is is spreading for sure. Yeah. Even and even globally, uh, you see a lot more. You know, a lot more high growth companies emerging in in other parts of the world than we've ever seen before. I mean, if you think about from a talent perspective, uh, if there was a company, let's say in Des Moines, Iowa, that was doing something um, in a digital product, um, there are probably not a lot of people in that city that have growth hacking skills, mm -hmm. right? Um, or even deep product management, digital asset type skills, right? So they're gonna have to find that talent in other, other cities. Mm -hmm. um, and only cities that have developed uh, maturity are gonna have a lot of companies that have been doing those types of things where you have you know, employees that have learned those skills. Sure. Um, I think with the pandemic and of everybody going online, um, we're seeing that, you know, a lot of people are recruiting more nationally now and internationally now, uh, than in small ge geographic areas. So that, what that's going to do is going to allow them to look at more targeted talent that has, has exactly what they're looking for. Um, and now we've been working in this remote atmosphere long enough that I think we've built the processes and systems, um, uh, to actually hire people and, and feel comfortable doing that in remote applications. Hmm. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about that. So you obviously have experience with collective genius in doing a lot of recruiting and team building for startup companies, growth companies. So if you're an entrepreneur today and you're trying to contemplate, do I hire people geographically right where I am? Do I open it up to a national international talent pool? What, what advice do you have for them as they try to build their team today? And it's obviously super competitive market and, and right. so many, yeah, sort of new realities to potentially navigate. Yeah. First, I think it, what kind of culture do you want to build? You know, uh, mm -hmm. you want people in the office. Do you want to be in the office? Is that If that's something that you like, I think you should do that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to, uh, one of our clients, GigWage, Craig is building this virtual team. Uh, you know, I, he's in Texas, but uh, he has office space, um, but he envisions this, this huge virtual team and he's doing a, you know, awesome job of building that out. So it's whatever you feel as, uh, you know, the founder, the CEO, or the leadership team is most important for what you're trying to accomplish and what you're most comfortable with. I think that's a culture thing um, to do that. At what now, point do you feel like that needs to be articulated? So that's a good question. And, and that, that's a question that's with what one of the pieces that people miss with planning um, and execution is cadence, right? And so this, this everything that I think 
we do with peak, what's one of the biggest aspects to it that's most important is cadence. And so when we build that three-year vision, that one-year plan, even the OKRs and the KPIs, things are going to change, Yes. right? And they're always going to change in this environment. And that's why some people don't do planning because they're like, why? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So mm -hmm. why, why should I even plan, mm -hmm. right? It's like doing Before, a business plan, right? You go, right. hey, like, why am I going to write a 25-page plan when I'm not, a, I don't even have a first customer. I don't even have a product yet. Whatever. Right. right. Yeah. And so what I say is write 20, 25 business plans over a cadence of time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, your first deck or what you build day one is going to be different then 30 days later, 90 days later. So we do annual planning and define all this stuff and put it, you know, uh, put it down on paper. And then we have a weekly meeting that keeps us on track, you know, as we get off track, cause it's not a straight line up that hill. It's, it, but the most important thing is that we're together as a team to get ourselves back on track or at mm -hmm. times change what we're going to do and pivot. Right. Um, not in each week, you might have little pivots, not huge product pivots, um, but you might have little pivots. And then that next quarter, you review that three-year vision, you review that one-year plan, you make some changes to it, and you recast your next 90-day OKRs. And so you have this cadence of every 90 days, and you have this cadence of every week. And that's really important. Like It's a living plan, um, and it's a living vision. Because as you track up that uh, the landscape of, of, the, of the mountain, you're going to learn more information and have a better visibility as you get closer to the top. So things are going to change. So um, asking that question should be, you know, have an office here. Or it should be, you know, a couple of different offices or all virtual. Um, I think you have to make that decision when you're in your planning, when you're defining, you know, what's the company look like three years out or what success mm -hmm. looks like by the end of the year. Um, and it's okay if that changes the sure. next quarter because things are going to change. Mm -hmm. That's super helpful. Let's, let's flip it a little bit. If, you're someone who is maybe never worked in a tech startup, VC backed company. You're intrigued about it. You're maybe even saying, I think that's a world that I'd like to, to sure. enter. How do you advise someone like that to get on a founder or company's radar? Yeah. First, I think you should ask the question if you like to learn. Mm -hmm. Right. I think people that are ongoing learners are people that work really well in early, early stage organizations mm -hmm. um, because things are going to change. So people that are willing to learn are willing to change. Mm -hmm. Right. People that are not willing to learn are not willing to change and they won't work very well in those organizations. Um, also, if you if you enjoy doing a lot of different things, you're kind of a generalist. Mm -hmm. um, those are the people at the very, very early stages that work well within those organizations. Um, as organizations grow, they start to look for more specific deep talent. Um, mm -hmm. And that just keeps on going. Um, so one, you know, be comfortable knowing that you're going into an environment that may change, meaning that you might be there for sure. a month or you might be there for two years and have 15 different jobs. Um, I once call those seasons. <laughs> yeah, right. And once, once you're, once you're comfortable and you think, Hey, I want to give this a shot, you know, then you just there's so many lists of organizations out there. Um, go online and just message the founder or message people on the team and ask if there's opportunities. Um, if you're like fresh out of college and looking for opportunities, they're looking for people that can do a lot of different things. They're not looking for, um, specific, you know, they're looking more for generalists and people that can do that type of stuff. You know, do some internships, um, maybe donate some of your time, you know, if you have another job, you know, right? Try to do some things on the side. Um, but 
you, you never know who you, you know, you might be doing that work for, you know, it might be the next Elon Musk, right? Like mm-hmm. you got in early. Yes. So I think it's fairly easy if you're willing to put yourself out there and try to make some connections, just go on LinkedIn and, and send some messages to some of the, you know, the great startups that are in your area. Mm-hmm. I think the, the headline I take from that is learners wanted, right? Is, right. Uh, you know, that's, that's what most founders are, they, to your point, are, are looking for, you know, people who can go. I, I really always try to find the figure it out types that right. give some general direction to and have a reasonable amount of confidence that they're going to go figure it out. And I'm just sharing a little like relevant experience. When I sold my first company, when I came out of college, I want, it was the dot com boom. I was super mm-hmm. excited. There's like all these different businesses out there. And, um, you know, I, I played chief of staff, had a biz dev. I played some, uh, marketing, some product, uh, customer success. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really found out what I really was interested in as I, I did those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went on to find, found other companies, um, I understood those roles as well. And sure. I hire better than those roles. Cause I understood what it, what it, what it took. So, um, I think it's great to get in there at the early stages. Cause you really get to kind of be in a sandbox to learn what you like to do. You might yeah. go in as a salesperson, end up, uh, wanting to be an engineer, like someone that I just saw one of our, our teams, um, mm-hmm. do, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never know. So Jeff, we're coming up on time. Thank yeah. you so much. You shared a ton of really great insights here. World's coming back a little bit. We're starting to get together in person again. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see each other in person here uh, in the not too distant future. It's been too long. What, what are you most excited about as uh, you look at the second half of this year? It's a good question. First, one more thing on the recruiting thing. Yes. I, I think this is a nice little hack that you, you asked a question I didn't answer it. And it was, you know, hiring these people is a very competitive marketplace right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so one of the really important things that I think is important when recruiting is to know that you're not only filtering people, but you're actively like recruiting means you're actively seeking out people. Mm-hmm. Um, the best people are going to go to the best opportunities. So I'll say that again, the best people always go to the best opportunities. So your job as a company to hire really great talent is to be a great company uh, and to attract them. And so one thing uh, our peak companies are doing that works really well is to build a very short five page deck that really explains the company. Um, a lot of them use the three-year vision, one-year plan, all those types of things in that deck, but you can put anything in that deck that would really encourage someone and, and explain the value of being an employee of that company. Um, and so they give it to everybody in the organization when they, when they're recruiting, you know, and they identify the people and they're interviewing, when they get to that point where they really want to sell the organization, they use that deck to sell that organization. Mm-hmm. It's super easy to use. Um, but it allows them to really put themselves out there and really, you know, show the value of being part of that team. If it's, you know, the people that they're working with, the vision of what they're going to change in the future, um, their plans. But it also gives that um, candidate the idea to put themselves into that plan and say, you know, do I want to work in this company? And also they can see what they would be doing within the company by looking at that that deck. Um, it's not something that they would share externally, um, but that's one piece that a lot of groups are not doing that they can do. And it's a simple little hack um, that's really helpful when recruiting top talent. 
Sure, and certainly going to create a more consistent explanation of uh, what it's like to be in in that company. Right, and it's another way to reinforce the plan and the vision and all that within the within the organization as well, because now the employees are explaining that sure. to to people that they're recruiting. Um, going back to your question, what am I excited about? I'm excited to actually get out uh, and travel a little bit more. You know, I'm still mm-hmm. planning on doing. Uh, majority of our planning online with teams. Um, but I just got to go to Austin a couple of weeks ago. That was fun to do a session. I have one coming up in New York. Um, excited to actually be in rooms with leadership teams again yes. um, and, and see, you know, beautiful faces like yours at, at breakfast, yes. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's going to be nice to get out again and, uh, you know, and really see people and, and connect. Absolutely. Um, but I'm, I'm not against Zoom and I've never had Zoom fatigue. Um, I, I think it's actually been awesome to be able to go face to face with people. All my first calls are face to face now where they've usually been a telephone call. Sure. So I, I think I, for me, it's been really fun to like connect with these people face to face, um, quick zoom calls. Uh, it's like sitting in a coffee shop and just new people keep on walking in to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's been a, a, a positive thing. And I think we've, uh, I think society and business now is used to that. And I think it's going to project us forward a little bit better. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your perspective on planning and, you know, the peak operating system and, and some of the successes, There's so much wisdom in there. And I, I think so much that we as entrepreneurs and, and founders can benefit by being more intentional about it. Also, thanks for contributing in all the ways you do to the LA community. And there's so much, I think, positivity ahead for us. Uh, and we get the benefit of being here in, in Southern California and all that it offers as well. Always great to see you, my friend. And I always enjoy our conversations and look forward to continuing them. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.